0: Now we're turning tonight in our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 14 and we're going to read from verse 25, Proverbs 14, verse 25. Let's hear the word of God, Proverbs 14, verse 25. A true witness delivereth souls, but a deceitful witness speaketh lies. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. In the multitude of people is the king's honor. But in the want of people is the destruction of the prince. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. But he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. A sound heart is the life of the flesh. But envy the rottenness of the bones. He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker. But he that honoureth him have mercy on the poor. The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous has hope in his death. Wisdom resteth in the heart of him that understanding, but that which is in the midst of fools is made known. Righteousness exalted a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him that causes shame. Amen, we know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing This reading of his own precious infallible word Tonight I'm commencing a mini-series of sermons entitled God's Word to Our Nation It's my understanding that this mini-series will be three or four sermons in length Now, before I begin, I want to put down a very important disclaimer. And it's this I am not claiming divine inspiration for this message. I'm not claiming divine revelation for this mini series. I'm not coming in the guise of an apostle. I'm not saying I'm like Paul or Peter or John. I'm not claiming to be a prophet and stand like Jeremiah or Isaiah as God's mouthpiece, as if God was speaking directly in and through me. I'm certainly not claiming tonight to be an archangel, or even a lesser angel, sent with a word from God for our nation. I come to you tonight merely as a preacher of the word. My charge from God from the day of ordination to this pulpit was this. To preach the word in season and out of season. To say thus and thus saith the Lord according to the scriptures. You see my role, my job is to direct men and women, the citizens of the United Kingdom to the scriptures of truth. And to say with Isaiah to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there's no light in there. Now with this disclaimer out of the way, my text tonight is found in Proverbs 14 verse 34. It reads as follows, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I've entitled this message, a wise word to every nation. Now, these words were uttered in pen by King Solomon about 3,000 years ago. And remember, King Solomon was not only one of the greatest kings who ever lived apart from our Lord Jesus Christ, he was also one of the wisest. He's known for his wisdom. Hence, the Bible talks about the wisdom literature. Proverbs and Ecclesiastes in particular That came from his pen. He was also a very astute political analyst And about 3000 years ago He was inspired by the Holy Ghost To utter this an amazing proverb I've already described it as a wise word for every nation See Solomon at times as a preacher Wisely and very well addressed the individual within his own family, friends. He even had a personal word for the stranger and for the sinner. At other times, he addressed the whole house of Israel as the congregation of God's people. But above and beyond the individual address and the congregational appeal that came from his lips, he also particularly addressed the nation, not only the nation of Israel, but every nation now i believe that proverbs 1434 is what we could describe while it's biblical it's a national proverb and it's issued as a national proclamation and i want you to see tonight i want you to take this on board into your mind that proverbs 1434 is god's address god's word to every nation. And you see, if I was to ask the question, what is God saying to our wee province in 2021? If it were possible, Bill, that one of the inspired prophets could come back, Jeremiah, Isaiah, Amos, what would they say to our province? If one of the apostles, Peter, James, or John came into the pulpit tonight, if that were possible, what would they say? Or if an angel stood here, an archangel or a lesser angel, saying, I have a message from God for you, what would they say? If God the Father had sent them in the name of Jesus Christ, this is what they would say, first of all, to our province, thinking about the theme, God's word to our nation, righteousness exalteth a nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. You see, that message would center in this inspired proverb. I want you to understand tonight that we are living in perilous times. These are days of grave moral decadence and wickedness in high places. These are days of great Spiritual apostasy. And many even among God's people are fearful and they're asking this question, what is wrong? What is happening right now in Northern Ireland? And what if things stay the same? What will happen as a result of this moral decadence and great wickedness and spiritual apostasy in high places? And what will happen in the future? In our land. Now, what I'm attempting to do tonight is using this proverb, God's word to our nation, is to look at an overview of this particular subject. I've prayed about this, I've asked the Lord for leading, and I believe this is the right and the best place to start. You see, these are powerful words, these are weighty words. These are words to be pondered and considered By every citizen throughout the United Kingdom Now how are we to understand them? They're easy to quote Righteousness exalteth the nation But sin is a reproach to any people But what do they actually mean? How are we to perceive them? Well do right beside them A wise word for every nation I have three things that I want to share tonight I want you to think First of all of the reality That is sinful Look at the text Righteousness Exalteth a nation But sin Is a reproach to any people There's the reality That is sinful But sin You see As a faithful watchman, bearing in mind the watchman motif, part of my job is to preach against sin. Isaiah the prophet said, Cry aloud and spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin. See, what is Solomon saying to the nation? If I could literalize this in the Hebrew, it would be righteousness exalts, and in contrast to this, to complete the contrast, righteousness exalts, but sin shames. There's an emphatic analytical contrast between the righteousness exalts and the sin that shames. And King Solomon is only too well aware of the solemn reality that every land is facing, including the land of Israel, that the land of Israel plus every other land is affected by sin. And not just sin in general, but very specific, identifiable sins. So you've got to think of the reality that is sinful, but sin. Now, what is sin? The Catechism tells us sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. What is sin? It's a transgression of the law of God. 1 John 3 and 4, sin is the transgression of the law. And the reference to the law is a reference in particular to the Ten Commandments. Could I spell it out tonight? The Ten Commandments apply as a, a, a codified standard of lifestyle For all of the citizens of the universe. These commandments teach all that God forbids. They teach all that God requires. The Ten Commandments, of course, reflect the moral character of God. And when we think of what sin is, that sin is the transgression of the law, the Bible also tells us in Romans 14 verse 23 that all unbelief is sin. Did you know that unbelief is a sin? Do you know that the Bible says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin? James 4 verse 17. And in 1 John 5 and 17, it says, all unrighteousness is sin. Unrighteous living. I want us to think of sin tonight, and I've tried my best to describe it, and I'm borrowing a, Illustration from a man called Pastor Al Martin from Montana, New Jersey. Let's think of sin as a mountain range. See, if you think of a mountain range, you come to the foothills, you've got the base. So so let's think of personal sins, they're real. But they must be recognized and repented of. Prayerlessness, selfishness, pride, gossiping, bitterness, envy, worldliness, anger in the heart, lies, covetousness, non-compliance to um, things like the Lord's table and and, and baptism. Those are the footholds. Those are the personal sins and many more that God's people are guilty of. So we're going to move further up the mountain. We're progressing now up to the higher peaks. And certain other sins begin to stand out. That impact not only the individual lifestyle, but they affect the family. They begin to affect society. And we'll think of theft, and we'll think of fraud, and we we'll think of crime, and we'll think of cursing. And then we'll eventually climb higher up the mountain, get enough to those highest mountain peaks. And then we come to certain specific sins, and this is what he's thinking about here. And when we think about our land, we're thinking about the sin of drunkenness. We're thinking about the sin of drug addiction, the sin of gambling, the sin of murder, the sin of sodomy, the, the, the sin of abortion, the sin of national apostasy. You see, these are national sins. And we need to see these national sins for what there are. And we need to see them in all their evil, heinousness, and wickedness. If you take, for example, the sin of murder, our nation is guilty of blood tonight. Our national parliaments are guilty of cold blooded murder. See, let me explain, and we'll come to this eventually. The blood of the innocent victims who've been murdered in cold blood by premeditated manner, the blood of that innocent person cries into the ears of God for vengeance. I want to tell you tonight, it's a national sin when innocent blood is shed. And the land becomes guilty of blood. And the blood of the innocent cries into the ears of God. The Bible says thou shalt not kill. And I want to tell you that commandment is wide enough to include the evil horror of abortion. Abortion is the murder of babies in the womb. And, and we have legislated for abortion. Abortion and demand in Northern Ireland let me go further. It's not only the sin of murder, but you think of the sins of sexual perversion. The Bible says, thou shalt not commit adultery. And that is wide enough to include all kinds of sexual perversion, fornication, outside of marriage. Hebrews 13 and 4, marriage is honorable and all, the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. See, how do we understand marriage? Marriage is understood within Christendom, As the voluntary union of one man and one woman for life To the exclusion of all others But The sin of adultery of course impacts and breaks the marriage bond But not only have we got in the Bible mention of fornication And mention of adultery But we also have the mention of sodomy Here's another sin of immoral decadence And of course it's only recently that there's been the repeal of section 28 in Northern Ireland where homosexuality or the proper name is sodomy is no longer looked upon as a criminal act or something that's illegal. Did you know that same-sex marriage is now legal in Northern Ireland? From the 13th of January 2020, at the stroke of a pen, biblical marriage as God defines it between one man and one woman has been turned in its head and I put it to you tonight is not this one of the great national sins of our day is it not proof that men and women have turned their back on God not only individuals in the street but in the higher echelons of society whenever members of parliament can legislate for this. It's proof that they've forgotten him. It's proof that they have forsaken him. It's proof that they have brazenly given themselves up to all kinds of perversion today. You see, it's saying in the face of God that God doesn't care. God doesn't mind what we do. In any room, In a loving relationship I want to tell you it's not love, it's lust And it's a national sin And it's bringing national shame And it's bringing a national sentence Upon the land Let me go further tonight Now I'm only doing an overview I'm not opening up the scriptures The land is guilty of a national apostasy Has there not been a turning away from the things of God? Does it not seem as if the the church itself has become drunken and mad because of sin? The Reverend William Anderson in a book on Daniel used the phrase, whom the Lord would destroy, sorry, whom the Lord would destroy the world, they would first make them mad. And that's mentioned in the Bible. Over there in the book of Jeremiah, if you want to turn to it, Jeremiah 25, it says in verse 15, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel unto me, take the the wine cup of this fury at my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send it to drink it. And they shall drink it and be moved and be mad because of the sword that I will send among them. And then in Jeremiah chapter 51 and in the verses five and six, he, he says something similar. Listen to the word of God tonight. Look up the scriptures if you can. For Israel hath not been forsaken, nor Judah of his God, of the Lord of hosts, though their land was filled with sin against the Holy One of Israel. Flee out of the midst of Babylon and deliver every man his soul. Be not cut off in her iniquity. For this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He will render unto her A recompense. You see. Northern Ireland tonight. If we think of it. Is a very different country from 70 years ago. A very different country from 40 years ago. You think of the time when God raised up the free church. The land then and the land now. Sin has been legalized. Sin has been promoted. Sin has been practiced. Sin has been proclaimed. And it's on the statute books as I've already mentioned, abortion. The Westminster government has singled there, signalled in March 2021, its intention to give the Northern Ireland secretary, Brandon Lewis, new powers to compel Stormont to implement the abortion law. The 1967 act is extended to Northern Ireland. And of course, in March 2020, the British government had published details of a new legal framework for abortion services in Northern Ireland. It permits abortion in all the circumstances in the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. It permits abortion in all other cases with no term limit. In cases of fetal fetal abnormality, rape, incest, right up to birth. Is that not abortion in demand? You, You think of five days ago, conversion therapy was debated. And the MLA's passed a motion calling on the minister, Deidre Hargey to introduce a ban on conversion therapy in all its forms. That was but a few days ago, even though it was a non-binding vote in Northern Ireland to agree to implement that conversion therapy in all its forms. And that includes praying for someone who asks for prayer. That that, that includes preaching about repentance from the pulpit, from sins of moral decadence, including sodomy. I want to tell you something else. Now, this is happening today. We need to wake up in a sense and smell the coffee. We need to get a grip of this. There's a dignitas dying bill to do with euthanasia going through the Dublin government, at the moment we've already written to the minister of state and republic of ireland and the secretary of state here in northern ireland and it's saying to sick elderly people you have no purpose you have no real value your life has no real meaning we, we urge you to to take your own life and do it in this way dying with dignity they call it That will have an impact if it's passed in the Republic of Ireland on Northern Ireland, even though the Dublin government should have no jurisdiction here in Northern Ireland. But a push in the Republic of Ireland to uh, introduce something like this will cause a push to introduce the same thing uh, here in Northern Ireland. Did you know there's a proposed bill to outlaw smacking? It's reported that Naomi Long, the Alliance Party leader and justice minister, is proposing to bring a bill in to outlaw smacking by parents of their children, even in private in their homes. If you smack your child, leave a little tiny mark, that child could lift the phone, phone the authorities, and you will be arrested by the police and dealt with by social services. You'll be looked upon as a bad parent. Did you know there's a proposal to create buffer zones for future protests? At times in the past, we have had protest open-air services outside abortion clinics and dens of iniquity. But what you think of this... A buffer zone is really sending out a message that we don't want open air services outside of and clinics and dens of iniquity. Or someone says, well, I don't want a, a, an open air service outside my shop. And what is that going to do? It's going to impact on our right to protest. And if the law wants to implemented, a buffer zone, well, it could be moved. We could be five miles from the, the, the shop. There's a proposal to limit freedom of speech in a new hate crime bill. Even in a private conversation. Unreasonable communication could be considered a hate crime. In private as well as in a public space. And you think of John Sherwood. Pastor John Sherwood, a London pastor. He was arrested at the weekend. What was his crime? Had he broken a window? Had he stole a car? Was he committing fraud? No. He was saying that God made man a male and female. He was saying what I have just said, that true marriage is between one man and one woman for life. He was quoting the words of the Lord Jesus, Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 to 6. That's what Jesus said. Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he quoted Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. See, what's happening in London will happen soon in Belfast. Do you know there's a panel discussion Going on in the University of Ulster about removing certain churchmen from being in the Board of Governors. They're there as salt and light. They're trying to hold the line, but they want to move the ministers on. Why? Because they're there in places of influence and they're using their their influence for God and good. So they want to remove that. I'm reliably informed that the judge in Pastor McConnell's case if you remember him, District Judge Liam McNally. And this is what he said at the time when Pastor McConnell was acquitted. Courts need to be careful not to criticize speech, which, however contemptible, is no more than offensive. He deemed it was offensive when Pastor McConnell said from his pulpit that Muhammad was a false prophet And Islam was a false religion that was satanic in origin. He said that's offensive, but it's not grossly offensive, so I can't fine him or send him to jail. But you know what? They're wanting to close that loophole. And the district judge, Liam McNally, is to the fore in doing that. You see, this is an attack on the pulpit. An attack to outlaw as they deem all offensive speech. I repeat, this is an attack in the pulpit. attack in every preacher, who's true to the blood in the book, every reformed fundamentalist preacher of the word of God. And I want to tell you there's further attacks coming in our religion, further attacks in freedom of speech, freedom of worship, and even the freedom of press. Now, when you think of what's happening in Northern Ireland, 70 years from the inception of the free church, right up to this day, and and I've read the list out, and add into the mix there, then this uh, same-sex marriage act, do you not see how this is a day of boldness? A day of hardness of heart. A day when people have forgotten how to blush. A day when men and women are so blatant in sin? There's nothing within them or within society that reflects this fact that they're sinning against a holy God. And I want to tell you, it's not two or three sins or three or four. It's, it's cartloads of sin. And what's God saying? Amos 4 and 12, prepare to meet thy God. And what does that mean in context? It means I'm coming to meet you in judgment. So you prepare to meet me, prince, people, And Popper Can I urge you To pray For our wee province Now there's the reality That is sinful But sin Notice quickly The ruin that is woeful What does it say? Righteousness exalteth a nation But sin is a reproach to any people Notice the reference there In the margin to the word people It means to any Nations You see, the word reproach here has been used in a very negative sense. There's a play here with words. The first, righteousness exalts, is the opposite of the second. Sin shames or or sin reproaches. You're familiar with the opposite of hot and cold, love and hate, sweet and sour. But here's two opposites, righteousness and sin. Righteousness exalts, it lifts up. But sin shames, it pulls down. And it does so, if you think of the word reproach, with a strong, ardorous zeal. It's an act of defiance and disobedience to God's law. Let me ask this question tonight Where's the great land of Egypt in the world stage? Where's its pharaohs, its army, its citizens? Where's Babylon the Great? Do you know what the Bible says? Listen to the word of God in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 13, it says there in the verse um, 19, I believe it is. And Babylon, the glory of kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldeans, excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. Where's the Median Persian Empire? Where's the Grecian Empire tonight? Where's the Roman Empire? How did it fall? There's one answer. And it's a three-letter word, young people. It's this sin. Sin is a reproach to any people. It's, it's, sin is like a strong, arduous, to a zeal pull that causes you to go down the road of acts of defiance against God and His law, and it brings you into a woeful situation. We get asked tonight, where's the British Empire? Is it not but a former shadow of its original self? See, the Bible talks about the cup of the Amorites being not yet full. Things are going to get worse. God is dealing with the nations. God is long-suffering with the nations. God is giving the nations up to judgment. There's a process of development towards and regards their iniquity. There's, There's judgment. And then there's chastisement followed by further judgment. And then eventually there's complete and utter failure. You think of every civilization from the Tower of Babel right up to this present day. Why have they failed? Here's the answer. Because of sin. There's been a decline on family values. On moral and spiritual values. There's been a departure from God and His law. The Bible says the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. And sin is going to pull the nation down. I want you to grasp that. Sin will pull Northern Ireland down. Righteousness will take you one way, Solomon says. It, it will lift you up. It will exalt you to the highest heaven. But sin's going to take you the other way. Sin will pull you down. And as I've said the words um, over there repeatedly, uh, righteousness exalts the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And the thought is there that any people is a reference to the nations. You, you can see that there in the margin. If you have a margin in your Bible, and I trust that you have. all nations without distinction sin will bring the nation down to shame and ruin and disgrace and judgment and that's true historically from the Torah Babel right up to the present time that's true biblically because here it is the Holy Ghost inspired this sin is a reproach to any people and that's true experimentally the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's a reality that is sinful that we need to recognize, and there's a ruin that is woeful that we also need to recognize. One final thing. The remedy that is needful. Look at the words, righteousness exalteth the nation. Now here's the key to the nation's prosperity. What's the answer to the country's ruin Here's the remedy For the country's ruin A remedy that's needful And it's summed up in one word Righteousness Let me explain that It's not military might It's not having a well equipped Army or navy young people It's not having A growing economy With state of the art Technology It's not about having the best and the highest educational system or standard where you have a high degree of intellectualism. It's not even about political activism. It's not even about campaigning for this or that. You see, there is a a social gospel about today where they want to eliminate poverty, and I'm against poverty, and they want to advocate climate change I've never preached in that. I'll look at that sometime. They advocate social justice for all. They're, they're, they're anti-racism. But they're all of these things, and, and in and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with it. But that's all they have. It's only a social gospel. And they have forgotten the weighty matter. And the weighty matter is this, that righteousness exalt a nation. It's not eliminating poverty and and clamoring for climate change and and social justice for all or being anti-racist. That will not exalt the nation. It's righteousness. And righteousness, of course, is reflected in the true holiness and the true justice of our God. Righteousness is one of the essential, natural attributes of our God. Righteousness exalt the nation What does that mean as we finish? It means this The implanting of righteousness See remember the Lord Jesus said to Nicodemus Marvel not that I say unto thee You must be born again And the righteous life of God In other words the new nature Is implanted within us in the new birth and therefore, our lives are changed and transformed because the seed of God has been put within us. Now that we can love the Lord with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, now we begin, of course, to love our neighbour as ourselves. Why? Because if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, all things have passed away, and all things have become new. And, and there's such a thing as the implantation or the implanting of righteousness, the new nature in the sinner who's been born of the Spirit. So I asked you tonight, have you been born of the Spirit? Have you received Christ as Lord and Savior? Let's also think of something else, because there's another aspect. There's the imputation of righteousness. Jeremiah 23 and 6 talks about the Lord, our righteousness. The Lord Jesus lived a sinless life. He kept the law of God perfectly. He did no sin. He knew no sin. In him was no sin. And he earned an alien righteousness... And everyone who trusts in Christ, that righteous life, is put to their account. They're clothed in that perfect garment of righteousness. That's why the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he that is God hath made him, that is Christ, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, Christ, our sins were transferred to him put to his account, and he was treated as the biggest and worstest criminal at the hands of his holy, just Father. And his righteous life then, because we had trusted in him, it was transferred and put to our account. And in that basis, we can then know justifying grace. That's what justification is. It's the imputation of the righteous life of Christ Received by faith. And on that basis, we stand before God and we're accepted in the beloved. Let me tell you something else. There's also not only the implanting and imputing, but there's the imparting of righteousness. And this takes us in then to the doctrine of sanctification. And we're abiding by the word of God. We're, 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 we're taking the law of God seriously Those ten commands in particular Thinking of all that God has forbidden And, 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 and all that God has um, required of us We see the law as a standard of divine righteousness And we strive then to live that holy life before the Lord Now our sanctification is not by the law It's by Christ We believe that we're called to a life of holiness unto the Lord. Can I say this in closing? Remember, Abraham prayed for Sodom, and he started off and he said, "Lord, spare these cities of the plain, Sodom and Gomorrah, and the other three cities. If there's fifty righteous," and then he went to forty-five, then he went to forty, then he went to thirty, and then he went to twenty, and then he went to ten. You'll read about it there in Genesis 18, verses 23 to 33. Imagine that, he prayed for Sodom. This sin of moral decadence. And he's praying, Lord, if there's ten righteous in these five cities of the plain, two witnesses in each city, spare the city. And God said, I'll spare. But he couldn't find them. There was only one family in Sodom. And that was Lot and his wife and two daughters. And Lot was a just man. But he was backslidden. That was the only witness. And when he talked to them. About judgment coming. He was as if he mocked. That's what the Bible says. As if he mocked. I urge you. To pray for our wee country. And I. I. I'm using this series of messages, God's word to our nation. And I intend from this pulpit to call the governments of our day to repentance before God. Our job is to cry aloud and spare not. To lift up our voice like a trumpet. And to show the house of Jacob and its people their sin. We want them to be made righteous in Christ. But that involves recognizing their sin, repenting of it, reputing it, and receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. And there's the remedy that's needful. The remedy for Ulster is God's righteousness, implanted in the soul by the Spirit of God in the new birth, imputed through our Lord Jesus Christ, received by faith and imparted by the Spirit of God as we live before him, using the law as a standard of righteousness and holiness. May the Lord take this overview. May the Lord take these few words and bless them to us tonight.